Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Voices of Western. This is the Humans of Western podcast, where we aim to delve deeper into the lives of Western students, staff, and alumni. My name is Madison, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Hossein. Before we get started, be sure to follow us on our social media, um, our Facebook page, our Instagram page at humans underscore Western, and our new TikTok account at humans of Western. Hossein, you can take it away. Awesome. So today we have Jonathan Panagas with us. He is a Western alum and a graduate of 2010 with a degree in economics. He That was like right around the time of financial crisis for those of you who remember. So it was an interesting time to graduate. Um, he has been involved in the tech sales industry for quite some time. Some of the companies he worked for include Oracle, NetSuite, Social Bakers, LinkedIn, and more recently as an account executive at DocuSign. He also enjoys helping the students and giving back to the Western community, which is why we are delighted to have him with us today. Jonathan, on to you. Maybe give us some introduction on yourself. Awesome. Thanks so much for that intro. And uh, yeah, it was great to be reminded that I graduated in 2010. That was uh, quite a while ago. Um, so yeah, you know what? Thanks, thanks again, guys, for having me on. Super excited to be speaking with your team. Um, a little intro on myself. Again, I've worked within the tech sales industry for over the past decade. Uh, graduated at Western, very proud to have graduated at Western and um, still, you know, trying to provide as much, um, uh, you know, as much support to the university as possible. So um, I, I like to, you know, see myself as a potential coach for anybody who's interested in getting involved in my industry specifically, um, as well as anybody who's looking to maybe grow out their brands on, uh, on LinkedIn.com. I did spend five years at LinkedIn. So I've got some expertise and some tips and tricks on how you could actually kind of promote yourself a little bit more uh, to stand out when it comes to trying to get those jobs that I know a lot of you are probably, um, you know, looking forward to, uh, uh, to starting to apply for over the next little while. Um, I'm from Toronto, Ontario. I live right downtown. Um, and yeah, past that, I'm looking forward to just having a little discussion around my industry and, you know, for those interested in tech sales, how you can get involved in, um, uh, in, you know, anything from, from software to, to hardware, from startups to large enterprises. So yeah, with that, you know, why don't I turn things over to you and we can kind of get started. Yeah, to begin, so you studied economics at Western and as an economics major myself, I uh, definitely think we have some similar experiences there, but a lot of people tend to pursue uh, jobs in finance or banking. And so I'm interested in how you want, uh, entered the tech industry after graduation. Yeah, so as mentioned kind of on my intro, uh, I graduated in 2010, which meant I was studying economics right during the mortgage crisis, during the recession. Um, cool thing about that is you got to learn a lot. I mean, we actually had professors come into, uh, into class and, and basically like throw the book away. I remember we had one professor specifically uh, who, you know, told us not to purchase uh, a textbook for the second semester because he didn't want to teach us what he had been taught because nothing, you know, no longer applied. Uh, so it was an interesting time for sure. Um, I think, you know, graduating um, at, at the height of a recession, my original goal uh, when I joined Western was to get into banking. I wanted to get into financial services, maybe, you know, kind of climb the ladder and one day get to that investment banking tier. Uh, but, you know, those jobs weren't as attractive in 2010. So um, while I was at Western, I actually had a small startup. Um, and, you know, my main kind of contribution to the startup was sales. Uh, so I had 
started selling at a very, very young age. Um, and at around the age of 20 years old, I actually had some at bats with, you know, some very, very well-known prominent CEOs across Canada and across North America. Uh, so I think that kind of helped me build a little confidence um, in the sales skill. Uh, and, you know, when I was studying economics, I also had this, you know, infatuation with the market. And uh, there were so many different kind of macroeconomic um, anomalies happening across the globe. So, you know, really kind of keeping a close eye on the stock market um, at the time was super exciting. And one thing that I noted was tech stocks didn't seem to be crashing like everything else, certainly not like banking uh, or, or even manufacturing stocks, uh, which, which were absolutely just tanking at the time. So I started following a lot of the major software companies out there, you know, namely companies like SAP, Oracle, and Microsoft, um, and then even hardware companies like Apple. Uh, and one stock that I, you know, I really kind of uh, became uh, infatuated with was, was Oracle. And I noticed that, you know, this was one stock that just continuously um, outperformed year over year. Um, and, you know, in that time when a lot of companies were really strapped for cash, they were actually acquiring really, really large companies. Um, and um, a couple of years after I graduated, we actually made, I think at the time, their largest acquisition ever of Sun Microsystems. So really starting to dominate kind of the hardware game as well. Um, so, you know, I, I was fortunate to have built um, kind of a, a little consortium of mentors. Uh, and, you know, sitting down with these mentors, I kind of positioned the idea of getting into software sales um, and starting kind of right at the bottom in what's known as business development. Um, and, you know, today there's a couple different terms for, for that same role. Uh, a lot of companies call it sales development as well. Uh, and, you know, I, I you know, decided to kind of jump into, uh, into the software sales world. And I took my first position with Oracle at that business development role. So that's kind of how I got to, uh, to this game. Um, and, you know, ever since then, I'm, I'm very, very happy that, that I made that decision. Wow. That was a lot of great experiences that you had there. I guess uh, one thing I'm interested in learning more about is you said you were 20 when you were doing the sales portion of your startup. Was that during university? Like, how were you able to manage that or even get started with that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think like a lot of students out there, you know, a lot of students go into university wanting to be an entrepreneur. And I was certainly of that mindset. Um, you know, I didn't want to work for someone. I wanted to make my own job. Um, so, you know, at that time, um, I had a, a startup that was really focused around the clean tech space um, and had some, you know, phenomenal uh, angel investors involved in that company as well. Um, and, um, you know, basically I was able to balance my time through passion, I would say. So just being really, really passionate about the idea and about the potential of where the company could go um, allowed me to, you know, have that kind of extra little bit of energy that you need uh, amongst, you know, both trying to juggle your uh, curriculum or your, or your, you know, class schedule, um, studying for those midterm exams that I know everybody's going through right now, um, and also having, you know, quasi social life. Uh, after school. So uh, I, I'd say passion was probably the biggest, the biggest motivator. Um, and, you know, really trying to become that entrepreneur was something that uh, I think, I think pushed me day in, day out. Hmm. 
Interesting. And I'm sure you learned quite a bit from, you know, starting your own business and stuff like that, especially during your undergrad. Hossein and I have talked a lot about how, yeah, we're in our undergrad doing our degrees, but at the same time, you're learning so much outside of the classroom as well. And I think that's something a lot of people don't realize when they go into university. And so I'm kind of curious as to like what skills you are developed in your undergrad that you found most like transferable into a professional workspace. Yeah, definitely. And you're referring to kind of like the economics training and yeah, yeah. Stuff, right. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, going into university, when I when I decided to go into economics, I thought this is perfect for for banking and for financial services. Uh, but now looking back at things, um, you know, the the applications are, are really kind of endless. Um, I know today my economics education really helps me when it comes to getting creative around putting together a deal. Uh, so in software sales, you know, once you get to kind of a certain level, you're, you're putting together potentially multi-million dollar deals that could get highly, highly complex. Um, and just kind of understanding um, how you could be uh, flexible in, in certain parts of that deal and how you could actually rearrange certain variables uh, within ultimately the equation that is going to sell that customer, um, I think goes a long way in, in helping you be successful. Um, also, just kind of the way your mind ends up working. So being able to look at, and I, I really kind of think macroeconomics for this, being able to look at how specific events um, could really, really kind of change a long list of things across the world, um, it makes you start to think in a different way. Um, and I think that becomes a really, really big asset, not just for what I do, but I think for a long, long uh, list of, of careers that you know a lot of people might be looking at today. When it comes to structuring deals, like you said, like multi-million dollar deals, uh, one thing that I'm interested in learning more about is what are some of the considerations that you take into account and how, because it, being a salesperson is a difficult position to be in. You have to satisfy your own company and at the same time, find something that works for the other company as well. Yeah, yeah, you make a great point. So that is kind of the, the secret sauce to what makes, I think, somebody a really successful salesperson. It's not just selling to that customer, but it's also selling internally. So, you know, when you're a, a sales executive, let's say with, within a software company, a software company like mine, there are certain parameters that you're allowed to play within um, and that you're allowed to, you know, potentially be creative within uh, in order to get a deal accomplished. Now, essentially, you know, when it comes to being a, a salesperson, a huge part of your job is diagnosing a situation within your customers. So asking the right questions, finding out, you know, why do they need to do something and why do they need to do something today? Uh, so, you know, we actually go through a series of meetings and a series of calls with every client really starting to diagnose what that customer really needs and trying to map that need back to our solutions. Um, so in doing that, right, that's kind of phase one of putting together the deal. Once we've identified this customer has some pain or has an issue that we could solve, uh, we now kind of take that information and we map it back to, back to our solution. We then put together a solution which is going to help that client and obviously, you know, not just help them, but also provide them with a very strong ROI. And then the back end of the deal is figuring out what their budget is, um, how they might be willing to open up that budget and what other parts of the organization might be able to add to that budget. And then finally, taking all of that information and essentially selling it internally. So figuring out a way to make this happen under the parameters that we're given to work with it. 
Um, so that's where having kind of that open mindset um, really helps you get I love the word dynamic when it comes to putting together a deal. So not looking at things two dimensionally, but really kind of looking thing at things from every single angle and trying to figure out, you know, how can I, uh, in a sense, fit this square in this circle that my client has given me, right. Or the other way around, whichever one works better. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's how, you know, somebody gets really, really uh, successful in, uh, becoming creative with their deal creation. Uh, so again, it's not just selling to that customer. It's also selling things internally and trying to figure out how can I make their needs and what they're giving me happen within my, org my organization and obviously happen within a way that uh, is, is going to make us um, you know, a lot of money on the deal as well. I liked how you mentioned about the part that you find the needs of the customers first and then see if you can help them because i think the general opinion on sales is that you have you're trying to sell everything to anybody that's what i thought before diving deeper into sales and by that i mean by watching youtube videos tiktok instagram like all of those educational videos which i find very interesting and it's good to hear those opinions from you too yeah 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 definitely definitely it's uh you know there's there's this old kind of conception around sales that, you know, all a salesperson is going to do is just call every single person that they can until somebody answers and somebody says, yes, uh, it's definitely not the game anymore, right? The games have become a lot more advanced. In fact, when you look at the top software or top tech companies out there, um, a large kind of group or a, a large uh, portion of that population of those sales reps uh, are coming from, you know, industries like, banking, like, um, you know, management and business uh, consulting. Um, you know, I, I know for, for some of the companies that I've worked for, we used to hire from, you know, organizations like Deloitte or McKinsey or Accenture. Uh, so, you know, really having kind of that client first mentality um, and having that ability to, again, diagnose a problem and figure out, you know, what type of pain is this individual or is this company really feeling um, and how can we create a solution to, uh, to, to help fix that pain. So uh, yeah, I definitely would say the, the brand of sales is starting to change. Um, and for those in this industry, it's really night and day from, I think, some of the images that people think about when they think about the sales industry. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it. It's almost like a, a puzzle. That's what I was thinking about, like as, as you were talking about it. Um, and so would it be fair to say that like no two business like sales deals are ever the same? Are they there's I feel like there's always uh, learning involved, like as you're working on a deal as well, which I think is really interesting about the sales industry specifically. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that also comes from, you know, how complex is the product that you're that you're representing? Um you know, in, in my case, as an example, uh, at DocuSign, we've got hundreds of different products that, that we represent and that we're continuously developing. So you're right, you know, no two sales are going to be the same. In many cases, uh, you have to try to configure not only your pitch, but also your solution in order to, you know, be that right solution for that customer. So, um, you know, I think that's another kind of part of what makes this industry so exciting. It's the ability to have new conversations with new people every single day and figure out new problems or new solutions for problems uh, that your customers are facing. Um, now, you know, is there some motions or are there some motions that you can replicate? Absolutely. There's definitely uh, certain things that work better than others. And when you inject those best practices 
uh, into your day-to-day cycle. It's just going to make you that much more successful. Uh, but I think that's like, you know, that's the case with any type of role that you take on, right? You try to find out what works best and you try to uh, create, you know, scalability in that approach so that, um, you know, you're not working necessarily harder. You're just working a little bit smarter. One other thing, so for sale, in order to be a successful salesperson, you have to know a lot of people and a lot of departments, all of those things. So I'm curious, how do you establish those important connections within the people in your industry? Yeah, you can definitely. think about mentors as well at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe I'll take that in two parts. Uh, one, you know, how do you build up your network? Because your network is extremely, extremely important. Um, and I'll speak from you know somebody being in in tech sales, but I think it's important for almost any role that you might take on. Um, so growing your network should be, I'd say, one of the top five focuses any students have. You know, as they're getting towards that graduating year. Um, and there's so many easy ways that you can do this. One leverage the network that you have being at the University of Western Ontario. It's an absolute no-brainer. So this is something that we talk about in, in some of the, um, uh, the workshops that I've done with the university over the years. Uh, you know, going through, let's say, kind of your, your top five, your top 10 dream jobs that you're looking to have one day when it comes to planning for your career, going to LinkedIn, opening up those companies and saying to yourself, or just literally there's a button that you click on that says, Western alumni, find out who works for that company that went to Western. It's so, so easy. It literally takes two seconds to do. And then once you do that, you're able to actually start seeing the alumni that you have a very strong commonality with, the commonality that you both graduated from the same school. Um, in fact, psychologically, this is something that people uh, really take to heart. Um, so when you message somebody on LinkedIn, you're about 50% more likely to get a response from them if you graduated from the same university. So when you think about just that one success rate, reaching out to these people at that company that you wanna work for and asking, you know, can I buy you a virtual coffee or hopefully in the next few months, can I buy you an actual coffee when we get back to normal? Uh, that goes such a long way in allowing you to, A, learn from that person, right? Learn from somebody who was maybe in your exact same situation not too long ago. Learn from somebody who works for the company that you're interested in or one of the companies that you're interested in working for. They might even have the exact position that you'd like to have at that uh, at their age, or, or maybe you want to have that position at a younger age. So being able to, to you know, again, leverage um, that connection, learn from them, um, is I think a huge, huge way that you're able to start expanding your network quickly. A lot of these people might even turn into mentors for you, right? So I'll, I'll tell you at least, you know, I'm 34 years old. When somebody reaches out to me on LinkedIn, and this happens quite frequently, where, you know, they're asking to learn something about my career, I'm always going to take that call. You know, I might be a little bit busier at certain times of the year, so I might push it off, but I'm definitely, definitely going to take that call. And especially if they preface that message with the fact that they're graduating from Western or they recently graduated from Western, I'm just going to be that much more inclined to help them. So, you know, again, I think this is a best practice that students should be really, really leaning into. Um, not only are you going to learn so much about that role in that company, but you potentially are going to get a mentor. And then, you know, the last point I'll make, and this is probably the most important point, if that conversation goes well, um, not only have you made, you know, a new connection within that organization that you want to work for, but that person can now refer you into that company. All right. And I know specifically in the tech industry for some of the 
you know, let's say tier one tech providers out there, um, it's much, much harder to get hired without a referral. Uh, much harder. All right. In fact, for a lot of companies out there, only 10% of their new hires come from an external hire that didn't come in through a referral. All right. So being able to build that connection and get that referral, I think goes a long way in, in helping you, um, you know, get that job one day. And even if you can't get that job right out of school, cultivating that relationship over the years, as you start to build up your, uh, your experience, you know, you're, you're only a couple years maybe from getting that, that referral and, and ultimately getting that job with that company that you really want to work for. Now, kind of going back to that second part of your question around, uh, you know, the importance of, of mentors. Uh, I think this is an extremely, extremely critical part of, of anyone's career. It's something that you don't want to waste any time uh, when it comes to, to actually building. Uh, when I was at LinkedIn, we actually had a term for this. We called it your your board, your personal board of directors. And I really, really love that term because I think it resonates well with everybody. If you just kind of, you know, envision what that looks like, right? A, a boardroom of individuals whose business is you, you know, and who cares about you. Um, I think that's something that, again, you should be looking to start to establish while you're in university. Uh, there's a couple of ways that you could do this. You know, I already mentioned one tactic that I think works very, very well, but even look inward, right? Look at friends and family. Um, think about, you know, some of your friends and maybe their family members that have uh uh, positions that you'd like to have one day and reach out to these people. You know, you're not looking to establish a weekly cadence with them or anything like that, but you're looking for somebody who's going to give you advice that's going to help you down the road. Um, I know I personally have, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate throughout my career to have built this, this pretty big boardroom when it comes to my mentors. Um, and some of them aren't involved in every career decision. You know, some of them are involved very specifically for something that um, I know they'd enjoy helping me with. Um, whereas others, you know, I, I contact for any single career move that, that I'll ever make. Um, and, you know, I, I think uh, not only does, is this something that you start to develop throughout your career, um, as you start kind of growing through your 20s and certainly throughout your 30s, you'll start picking up these mentors uh, with each position that you have. Uh, you'll find them both socially and professionally. You'll probably end up working for some managers who just went that extra mile for you, you know, and who actually cared a little bit more than the average. Um, and, you know, this is somebody that you might be able to add to that, to that board of, of, uh, of directors. Uh, and, you know, another piece of advice that I definitely want to give is don't think about this so formally, right? This doesn't have to be a formal relationship. Uh, this is just somebody who shows uh, a little bit of an extra interest in you and particularly a little extra interest in your professional goals and, and your potential. Um, so again, this doesn't have to be some type of weird, formal, um, you know, firm relationship. It could definitely be something flexible and it could be uh, a touch point that you have with them once a year, once every couple of years, or even just, you know, when, when you have a big decision to make. Um, there's very few people who wouldn't take on that opportunity uh, so yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend everybody start looking for those mentors. And um, as I said, as you go throughout your career, just just keep adding to that list. Uh, and by the time you're, you know, my age, probably about 15 years down the road for a lot of you, um, you know, you'll you'll be uh, really, really kind of proud of that of that um, group that you're able to to assemble. I like that. That was amazing. Um, so let me share one of my stories as well. When I was in my first year. 
I went to a workshop, networking workshop, and this instructor was talking about mentorship. I asked him, well, you know, I'm new to Canada. How could I get myself mentors to help me? He said, the fastest way to not get a mentor is to ask someone to be your mentor. <laughs> Why? Because it freaks people out. For some reason, like they, they think there would be some sort of expectations from them. And uh, that would not be the best approach. Over time, though, I found what works for me is just, as you said, thinking about a move that you want to make, who are the first people that come to your mind and how comfortable you are reaching out to them. If you are comfortable reaching out to them and you think they would be able to help you, those people might not be formally your mentors, but if you repeat the process maybe two to three times and then continue giving back to them, I think it's fair to say that this is sort of a mentor-mentee relationship being established. So that's that's one thing. And the other thing, so I loved how you mentioned about the LinkedIn feature on viewing the school alumni. One thing I discovered last year, which is huge, is that you could also filter by their program that they completed. So I'm in MedSci, I wanna go into tech. It's not a popular transition for MedSci. Like they usually go to medicine or dentistry, those fields. I could literally go on LinkedIn and filter by people's positions and see who is in like, let's say sales, who had studied MedSci in the past. That's also another cool feature of LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, and that's another commonality. That's a much stronger commonality, right? This is somebody who actually sat in your seat, uh, who has the exact kind of career that maybe you're interested in, even at that portion of your career, because careers change a lot, right? So uh, that's such a great point, and it's so easy to do. Um, all you have to do is literally log into LinkedIn and give it a shot. You know, uh, there's nothing really stopping you. Mm. Yeah, I think in the past, people hear the term networking and they're like really intimidated by it because it seems like that professional relationship that you have to build right off the bat. But I like how you mentioned how it's going to change. It's going to evolve over time. Just like uh, reach out to a, a lot of alumni and leveraging the people that you do know and the people that you do have. And so I know uh, a lot of our listeners and me as well are going to take that advice and uh, as we go throughout our undergrads and our future careers. Um, I just want to jump back into the software sales uh, conversation uh, specifically. So I want to know what is something that surprised you about the industry that you're in? Yeah, so I would say uh, when I started in the industry, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's grueling work at the beginning, but it's a lot of cold calls. It's a lot of, you know, people saying no to you. Uh, that is such important experience, by the way, you know, um, you start to not really get concerned with it after the first few weeks of somebody hanging up on you abruptly. Um, and you start getting much better at making sure that it doesn't happen and keeping them on the phone. Um, so I would say, you know, once that transition happened, um, just understanding kind of where this career could really take you, I'd say that was the biggest surprise. I didn't know that, you know, I'd say from a compensation standpoint, it's right up there with all the other you know, major careers that a lot of people are looking at. Um, that was definitely a shock to me. Um, something else that, you know, I started learning throughout my, my career was the fact that out of all the companies out there, you know, tech companies generally take care of their employees, I'd say the best. Um, so they care about wellness, they care about your mental health, they care about um, making sure that you've got as few stresses in life as possible. You know, they care about making sure you're fed every day at lunch and that you've got unlimited snacks and really good coffee to keep you motivated throughout the day. Um, also how social 
the environment is and the cultures are, you know, culture is very, very important uh, within my industry. And um, I'd say, you know, I'll speak specifically for the sales portion, because in a lot of these companies, you'll find sales tends to be the biggest organization within the company. Um, but culture is so, so important. So, you know, a lot of people become friends and they become lifelong friends. Um, you know, when I think about uh, where I had started at Oracle, you know, that was again, about 12 years ago, um, I'm still extremely, extremely close friends with uh, most of the people that I work with. In fact, you know, since we've been on this call, three of them have text messaged me, um, who I haven't worked with since, um, you know, we started together at Oracle in that business development role. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd say kind of that social aspect, that culture, uh, that ability to kind of have this uh, this family within the workplace as well um, is, uh, you know, those those were definitely things that were welcome surprises um, as I started to build my career um, within this industry and, and specifically within sales. You know, one point to make as well is uh, I'd say around diversity. So a lot of people maybe think of sales as something only for like extroverted people or only people who like, like you mentioned earlier, right? Like networking. Some people hear networking events and you kind of, you start cringing. You're like, I don't want to go there and meet a bunch of people I've never spoken to before. I don't even like doing that. I'm, I'm quite extroverted. Uh, but um, that is, that is definitely a misconception. You know um, I'd say if it's not 50, 50, maybe it's 60, 40 uh, leaning in favor of introverted individuals who are extremely successful uh, within this game and within this, in, this industry. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely not um, something that your personality has to, has to be in line with uh, more. So you just have to be kind of a, a really smart individual who's good at solving problems. Um, who's really, really organized and, and good at looking at data and presenting data the right way. Uh, so yeah, I'd say, uh, I'd say that's kind of something to tack on to the, to the end of your question. Um, around you know some of the some of the things that surprised me as I as I started moving up through uh, through my experience within tech sales. I guess something I wanted to learn more about is which you kind of touched on upon is how would someone know if sales is the right fit for them? Um, is it like lots of cold calling? Is it only cold calling at the beginning? Like how is it like? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so, you know, again, going back to that last comment I made, I don't think it should, I don't think the decision should be made solely based on your personality traits. All right. That's a misconception for sure. Um, at the beginning, there is, there is a lot of outreach. There's a lot of cold calling. Uh, but today there's a lot of software platforms out there that actually help people within sales development or business development, um, you know, have these kind of scalable activities, which allow them to have multiple touch points within a large territory or a large sum of accounts or sum of companies. Um, so I would say, you know, for individuals who like to solve problems, for people that are really good at reading data, um, and interpreting data in different ways. That's an extremely, extremely important part of, of this job. Um, I'd say, you know, individuals, also individuals that are people, 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 I guess that works, who's a people person. Um, you know, I think that's super important as well, right? It's like something that uh, I think helps me, um, you know, be successful in this role is the fact that I actually really like to help people. So I don't do this with all of my clients. Um, but you know, some of my clients I actually end up befriending, um, and, and caring about, you know, not just their company solving their problems, but also helping this person, um, bring a big win in 
for an organization. So like if you sell something, if you sell a large solution to a company who has a really big problem, that person who brought in that solution on the client's end, you know, they end up being a hero within that organization that can help them get a promotion. Right. So, you know, having that, um, that kind of care for other humans, I think is, is kind of cool. Um, wanting to become a part of a team, uh, is, is also something that's very important when it comes to different identity profiles within sales. Um, there was this one identity profile called the lone wolf. Um, and the lone wolf was essentially a sales rep who just wanted to do everything by themselves. Right. And thought, you know, I'm good enough to get everything done. Um, I don't really need the help of a team. Um, that has completely gone extinct. So that's no, that no longer applies today. You know, like selling is, is really, uh, a part of, of leveraging um, a, a larger team and collaborating across that team. So I think people who like that team environment would, would really love this industry as well. So I'd say those are some of the, the main things to, to look at. Um, but yeah, at the beginning, you know, get ready for, for some rejection, get ready for uh, a little bit of a heavier lift when it comes to those prospecting activities. Uh, but once you get kind of further down that that road of experience, um, you know, the prospecting starts to melt away and you really start to focus on strategic initiatives every single day. Um, and that's when the job gets really, really fun because now you're really, really just focusing on strategy. Um, and you've got, you know, individuals who are on your team who are helping you with some of those other activities. Um, I guess just a follow-up on the lone wolf example that you gave there. I'm curious to hear how would the team help you in this case? I mean, if you're doing it alone all by yourself, making sure all the calls get done by the end of the day, that seems like a good tactic to me, but I'm sure having a team behind you is more beneficial. So I'm curious to hear more about those benefits. Yeah, definitely. So I'd say in two ways, one that's not scalable. So having that lone wolf mentality, you're going to miss opportunities across, across the board, right? That's just going to happen. There's only one of you. Uh, so, you know, not being scalable is definitely a huge Achilles heel in, in, in sales in general, right? Re regardless if it's tech or, or any other type of sales. Um, and then also, you know, being able to invest your time wisely. So being that, you know, if, if you're, let's say the account executive or the account manager, who's managing that relationship with the client, who's really working on trying to get that deal done, um, allowing people who have the skill sets, who have developed those skill sets throughout their career to take on the other portions of that sales cycle um, and, and really kind of be the all-star within that, that part of the team. Um, it just allows you to really kind of get heads down and focused in how am I going to build the right deal that's going to bring kind of this contract across the line and get this contract signed. Right? How am I going to represent my customer as well as I can within my company so that we might make some of the concessions necessary to get this contract completed? Um, so again, leveraging that team and, and collaborating, it just goes such a long way in, in making sure that you free up your time to focus on, I'd say, you know, what you'll enjoy the most about this type of role. And, and that's really being strategic. Right. Makes sense. So kind of assigning the tasks based on who's like people's strengths, which is a trend that more and more companies are following these days. Definitely. And once you get into like a complex sales organization, like, like the one I work for today, um, you're not even really assigning anything. You know what I mean? You're managing 
the you're managing the the group of clients that you have or the list of clients um but everybody else is kind of a master in their own domain so like they're coming in knowing exactly what to do at each portion of that of that sales cycle so you know some of the roles that i work with um i work with uh, you know a sales development manager that we actually call marketing development managers um i work with a solutions engineer who is an absolute expert when it comes to the product itself is able to have those highly, highly technical conversations at the CIO level that, you know, I just, I don't have the education or the experience to, to actually have. Um, I work with um, a, uh, a renewal specialist whose focus is mainly on ensuring that um, if, you know, anything's going wrong with the customer coming up to when they have to actually renew their contract with us, um, you know, they're going to be kind of the first people on the ground to, to help solve for those problems and make sure that the customer is leveraging the platform uh, to the maximum of its capabilities. Um, so it's, it's really kind of being able to uh, maybe help keep those people organized uh, within the account. Uh, but again, just trusting them to do what they do. Um, and, you know, again, focusing on the kind of the overall strategy on how you're going to get this deal completed. Uh, that's, that's kind of what's going to make you successful. And ultimately that's going to give you longevity in this career as well. Right. If you think about that lone wolf example, like I got to tell you guys, sometimes, you know, sometimes this job gets exhausting. It really, really does. Other times it's super refreshing. Uh, you know, sales is, is definitely a pendulum, right? So there's highs and there's lows. Um, when you lean on the team, uh, to, to help you with every single deal. They also carry that, the burden of, of that deal as well. So you're not just carrying that whole deal on your shoulders. It goes a long way in making sure, you know, quarter over quarter, year over year, you have the energy to keep going. So I just have one final question. It kind of brings everything full circle. And I love to ask alumni this specifically. It's uh, how did your Western experience kind of shape who you are today? And I guess also, uh, do you have any final advice for current Western students? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, I loved my time at Western. Um, I really, really loved the school. Uh, I think, um, you know, Western did, did a bunch of things for me to shape who I am today. It gave me a phenomenal world-class education. Um, it, you know, gave me even a social aspect to who I am, right? Being such a social university with so many opportunities to meet your fellow students, uh, whether, you know, it's inside the classroom or outside of the classroom. Um, I think that helped me build up the personality that I have today. Um, and uh, also, you know, just providing those resources um, that they give you while you're there and also while you're alumni, um, just help kind of propel you throughout your career. Um, you know, I brought up that example earlier and I brought it up a few times on how you could lean on the alumni network. I've done that throughout my career. You know, I've done that as a sales rep to get meetings with companies because an alumni of Western works at that company. Um, and and that, type of, that type of stuff works, you know? So being able to lean on that alumni network. I think today uh, within the active workforce, at least on LinkedIn, there's over 200,000 Western students um, who are actively working um, within, uh, mostly within a, a white collar job on, on the LinkedIn platform. It's a lot of people that you could, you know, that you could leverage. It's a big, big network that you could leverage throughout your career. So I'd say, you know, those were some of the things that, that Western instilled in me. Um, and, you know, some kind of final advice that, that I would give to, uh, to any students listening, you know, don't be scared to reach out to anyone for help. Like if you're interested in having, you know, a career that somebody has, all you got to do is send them a message. 
Um, you know, don't be weird about it, kind of to the point that you made earlier. Uh, don't try to make it this kind of formalized conversation. Just kind of be light, you know, just be loose with the with the the messaging and just um, approach it from from a friendly angle and, and just ask people for help. Generally, when you ask someone for help, they're going to be very, very happy to help you. Um, and, you know, I think uh, I think particularly when you're trying to juggle a, a full class load, when you're trying to juggle maybe midterms and coming up, you know, your finals, um, this might seem like something that's uh, overwhelming to take on literally takes maybe 20 to 30 minutes of going on LinkedIn and sending out some strategic messages to people that work within the companies that you want to work for. Um, and you'll be shocked at, at how far it goes. So uh, I'd say that's my advice. And then, and then the last piece of advice is kind of really soak in your time there, you know, soak in your time as a student as well, because it goes by very, very quickly. And we're always kind of rushing to get within our careers. But you know, once you get to my age, you, you kind of wish you could go back for, uh, you know, maybe a week or two, just go back in time and just enjoy it a little bit more. So yeah, in, enjoy, enjoy your time there as well. That's some awesome advice. Thank you, Jonathan. And yeah, leveraging the value of LinkedIn is huge. Uh, I wish like someone had told me that earlier, but I still have time. It's fine. And I'll try to enjoy my last few weeks at Wester. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. I learned so much about your industry and networking. And yeah, I know I'm going to take that advice as I go throughout my career after leaving Western once again in a couple of weeks. So. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for having me. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, if anybody, you know, listening has any questions um, and they, you know, they want to kind of follow up on some of the points that we made in this discussion, feel free to put them in touch with me. I'm always happy to help. Uh, um, uh, students at Western or even Western alumni. Um, and yeah, definitely enjoy your last few weeks. I know it's coming up. April's around the corner. So, uh, you know, enjoy your, uh, your potentially your last uh, month or two at Western. Yeah. So thank you so much, uh, everyone for listening to this episode of Voices of Western. Once again, be sure to follow us on our social media and yeah, we'll see you next week.